Ruth chapter 2. Just going to read three verses, beginning with verse 1 out of the New King James Version, says this. There was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. So Ruth, the Moabitess, said to Naomi, her mother-in-law, Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. And Naomi said to Ruth, Go, my daughter. And she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. I want to preach this morning about the field. The field. You may be seated. We step into the middle of a story in Ruth chapter 2 in which tragedy has struck. Naomi and her husband, Elimelech, went to Moab during a time of famine in order to find food to feed their family. And during their time there, their two sons married Moabite young ladies. One of them was named Ruth. But during their days in Moab, tragedy struck, and not only did Elimelech die, but the two sons died as well and left Naomi and her two daughters-in-law as widows. Ruth was a young widow that had no prospects for the future, and she decided against some of the judgment that may have prevailed upon her to accompany her mother-in-law, Naomi, back to Israel, a land where, Na- where Ruth was not from. She would go back to Israel with Naomi and find herself as a foreigner, an outsider, and see what God would do in her life in Israel. And the story we read where we pick up in Ruth chapter 2 says that when they arrived there, life happened. And they needed to provide for themselves. And Ruth said, let me go to the field. Just like Ruth, we have a field that we need to get out into. We have a field that God is directing us into. Jesus said in John chapter 4, verse 35, There are yet four months and then come the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white or ready right now for harvest. Jesus also said in Luke chapter 2 or Luke chapter 10 verse 2 in the same topic. He said to them, "The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest." Harvest. I'm here to tell us today that there is a field that we are called into. Just like Ruth had a field and that it is harvest time. We aren't waiting for harvest time, but we look around at the state of affairs in the world today, and we can see very clearly that the harvest that God has ordained. And I'm here to tell you today that if you seek favor or you need an answer for your future, the answer for those things is in the field. The answer that you're looking for is in the field today. You're going to find what you're looking for when you get to doing what you know you ought to be doing. If you want to be positioned for a blessing, if you want to be saved, the answer is in the field. 
You're going to find it out in the field today. Ruth's story began in Moab. She was a Moabite young woman. She married an Israelite young man. That Israelite young man died tragically and left her a young widow. And she made the decision to stay with her mother-in-law, Naomi, and to go back to Israel, a place where she was not from. She would be a foreigner, an outsider. And when they arrived back in the region of Bethlehem, Judah, it was the beginning of the barley harvest, the Word of God tells us. And the circumstances of life started to surround Ruth and Naomi, and the things of life started to get pressing in on them, and they had to answer the question, what are we going to eat? Now first, it's honest this morning just to acknowledge the obvious, that no matter how far you advance in the kingdom of God, no matter how long you follow the Lord, there are always going to be life issues that present themselves like Naomi had to face. I said a moment ago, living for the Lord is the best life that we can live. But that doesn't mean that it's the easiest life that we could live. Ruth made a decision. She turned her life that was going one direction. She turned it and started going another direction. That sounds an awful lot like repentance to me. Ruth had made a... she. Made a difficult decision to change the direction of her life and to start pursuing the God of Israel, the God of her mother-in-law, Naomi, and to move to to another nation, a place that she wasn't familiar with. She didn't have a network of friends there. She made all of those decisions. They were spirit-led decisions. They were things that she she was in the will of God. But as soon as she arrived back in Bethlehem, Judah, it was the beginning of the barley harvest. They had nothing to eat. And the things of life started to press in on them. Naomi and Ruth had to find something to put on the table. And the circumstances of life didn't magically melt away just because Ruth made the decision to follow God. And even though Ruth must have known, Ruth must have felt that there was more to life than what she had been living. And that she had taken a vow and said, you know what, where you go, I'm going to go. Your people are going to be my people. Your God is going to be my God. Her life had made a turn like that. But in spite of all this, Ruth knew inside of her that it wasn't time to put things on cruise control. It wasn't time to turn on the autopilot of living for God. She said, I need to take time to respond in faith to what God is doing around me. And in those days, they took up the barley harvest. And the farmers would go around their field, and the Levitical law said, if you want to go back to the the book of Leviticus, you'll find where the Levitical law said that the farmers, when they were harvesting their fields, they weren't allowed to harvest around the edges and corners of their fields. They had to leave the edges and the corners of the fields so that the people who are uh, living in hard times and didn't have any other way to live could go behind the reapers, and they could glean the the parts of the field that hadn't been cut and they would have a way to avoid starvation it was almost like a welfare to work program Ruth found herself in the situation of life where it was that kind of a program that she needed to participate in but Ruth was not an Israelite this was an Israelite law Something that they traced back to the days of their ancestors. This was a program in place for Israelites. 
And Ruth found herself a Moabite young woman needing to take advantage of the laws of a nation that she wasn't a part of in order that she might survive. Let me go to the field. I wish somebody would get that in their spirit this morning. I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what's going on in your world or what kind of challenge you have going on that's come confronting you this week, but somebody needs to get that type of attitude in their spirit today that says I'm a person of God and I'm living for God and I've made a decision to stand on the things of God, but I recognize that even when life gets tough and I have to answer the questions of life, my response is going to be the response of Ruth let me go to the field the field is where my answer is at the field is where God will meet me and show me what the next thing is it's going to sound counterintuitive but for us living today in the New Testament church life is still going on you may not face the same challenges that Ruth face where she was literally they were going to they were days away from starvation that may not be your story today but there has to be there is something in your life I'm telling you God has made sure of it there is something in your life that is that is challenging you that is prodding and provoking you and it is there to press you into the field that place where God will work if we'll let him And we can see what God will do. Life going on, life still happening is not something that holds us back today in the New Testament. But when the believers say what Ruth said, let me go to the field, that's where the miraculous starts to happen. Let me go to the field. That was Ruth's strategic response to the challenges presenting themselves in her life. Can I tell you this morning, just very honestly, that the field is not always safe and the field is very seldom easy? And sometimes it's not what you find in the field that turns out to be your blessing, but sometimes it's who finds you in the field. Who finds you in the field that turns out to be your blessing? Wednesday night, we were looking at better ways to study our Bibles, and one of the examples we took was the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 1, anybody that's read Mark chapter 1 this week will know, Mark chapter 1 tells a brief story of when Jesus called his first four disciples. He found them, what were they doing? Fishing. They were in the field. Sometimes it's not about what you find in the field, but who finds you in the field. Jesus comes up on these men that were working on their father's fishing boat, and they were casting a net, the word of God. They were actively in the middle of doing what they knew to do. They didn't know anything about the Messiah. They hadn't met Jesus yet. They were doing the best they knew to do. And they were working in their father's fishing business on the Sea of Galilee. And they were casting their nets over the side of the boat into the sea. And Jesus came along. Their Redeemer showed up. Hear me. Their Redeemer showed up that day on the Sea of Galilee. And called them from the field to a better place. And said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. 
I'm telling you this morning that if you will answer the call of God and respond in faith and get yourself out into the middle of the field and be about your father's business, there is a divine encounter waiting for you. God is setting things up. He is not going to leave you hanging. He's not going to leave you hanging out to dry. There is a divine encounter waiting for you in the field. Just the same kind of encounter that those men experienced when they were on the Sea of Galilee, tossing their nets into the sea. Jesus showed up. Their Redeemer showed up. And everything changed in their life. So I say today with Ruth, let us go to the field. Let us go to the field. I want to see something change in my family. I want to see something change in my workplace. I want to see something change in my home, in my city. Let's go to the field. Let's go to the field. The field is where the miraculous happen. The field is where things start to change in the direction. My fortunes can start to change. My opportunities can start to look different. When I position myself in the field, nothing's going to keep me from the field. I wish somebody would say today, you know what, there are some things that I know I need to be doing. There's some things, it's not rocket science. These aren't mysteries. These are things that I know I ought to be doing. There is a field that I know for certain that I need to be engaged in. I need to be engaged in the field of my prayer life, in the field of my time in God's word, in the field of my personal evangelism and personal witness to others. There is a field today. And if we will have an honest moment before God, God will reveal to you the field that he would have have you working in so that you can respond in faith and get out into the field now Ruth went out into the field she said let me go to the field and gleaning was hard work it's hard work it was hot work didn't feel like it feels outside today it was hot it was difficult work it was labor intensive. It was physical work. And the field is where we can find favor with God. But in between the field and favor, there's work. There's a response. There's action. I said it a minute ago. If there's ever been a time that we need to be about our father's business, it's today. And Ruth believed Ruth believed that God loved her. You need to believe this today. That God loved her, that God would provide for her, and that was enough for her. And Ruth said, you know what? I'm going to set out and find a field to glean in. I'm going to find some way to participate in what I believe God is doing. I'm not going to sit back and just allow life to happen to me. I'm going to get engaged because I know that there's a God who loves me. There's a God who has a plan. for You need to believe this today. There's a God who loves you. There's a God who will provide for you. It was completely an act of faith on Ruth's part when she went out to the field. But she knew. She knew this much. And we know this much today that the field is where favor is at. She says, let me go out to the field and work and gather the heads of grain and maybe I'll find favor with somebody who will help me out. So Ruth's out there and she's working. She's working and it's physical work 
And she probably feels like an outsider because she is an outsider. She's out there and hoping that someone doesn't discover, hoping that someone doesn't ask for her card, her ID, and check and make sure that she's where she's supposed to be, that she's allowed to be there. And she's gathering the scraps. She's cutting around the edges in the corner of these fields. And Ruth, here, this is what Ruth's doing. Ruth's doing what she can. And she's taking what she can get. And, I, and she's out there and she's working and, and she's, she's probably thinking. She knows that somewhere out there, Naomi's got a relative. Somebody who is, who is far enough up, up the social ladder that he could step in and change everything for them. But she doesn't know where his field is. There's no fences. It's not like it is today. There's no fences. There's no signs. There's none of that. It's just everyone. They've got little landmarks, but she doesn't know what any of the landmarks are. And so she's just out there working and hoping, you know, maybe, I don't know where I'm at, but maybe I'm getting close to where I'm supposed to be. Maybe I'm getting close to where, uh, what was his name? Boaz. Boaz. Maybe, maybe I'm getting close to where Boaz can see me. I've never seen Boaz. I wouldn't know him if he came up and, 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 and started talking to me. But maybe, maybe, just maybe, I'm starting to get close close to the will of God. Maybe I'm starting to get close to what God wants me to be doing. And as she gleans and as she gathers in that field, and as she's bending and stacking the grain that she is able to pick up little scraps of here and there, there is a shadow that is cast over here over her on that hot afternoon. And verse 5 says that Boaz said to a servant who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, It is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And she said, Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued from morning until now, though she rested a little in the house. And then Boaz said to Ruth, You will listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not go to glean in another field. Nor go from here, but stay close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. And she fell down on her face and she bowed down to the ground and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? Boaz came and started to talk to Ruth and said, Ruth, because you're doing what you know to be doing, because you've put yourself out into this field and you've gotten into the middle of what your answer seemed to be and you responded in faith, this was just an act of faith. He said, I found you and I've told you a few things. Number one, you stay in my field from now on. Now you're under my protection, and the water that they're drawing up out of the well, you get to have a drink of now. I'm telling you, Ruth found favor in the field. When she was out doing what she was supposed to be doing, she found favor. This is a word for somebody today that maybe you've been sitting back and waiting on some sign to show you that it's time to get serious about living for it's t- that, that, that you're waiting on some kind of sign to tell you that the moment's right to respond in faith to what you know to be true about God and what he's doing in the earth and what his word has revealed to you. This is the hour to get into the field, brothers and sisters. This is the hour. I know I know this entire message this morning is a call to action. I know we're not talking in the abstract right now, and I know we're kind of just, just 
listening right now, thinking, is he going to get on to anything else? This is the message this morning. It's time to get into the field. It's time to do what we know to do. It's time to be about our Father's business, whatever that is. You need to take a step of faith today in obedience to what God has revealed to you. Boaz came and started talking to Ruth, and Boaz was the nearest relative of her mother-in-law, Naomi. He was the only one that could have stepped in and changed reality for them. He, he, Boaz was the guy who could single-handedly elevate Ruth and Naomi out of the abject poverty and vulnerability that they faced. And the legal terminology for the, for the position that Boaz had to them was kinsman redeemer. Kinsman redeemer. What that means is he would be able to step in on the basis of his family relationship with them and the basis of his social standing as somebody who was a landowner and he would be able to change the reality for them. In his eyes, if they found favor with Boaz, he would become their kinsman redeemer. Now for Ruth and for Boaz, it felt like a coincidence. It felt like an accident. But can I tell you this morning that it, for God, it was not an accident. It was an appointment. God has some, I'm telling somebody in faith this morning, has some, I'm, not talking about, I'm not talking about a Lamborghini this morning. I'm not talking about material blessings. I'm talking about God has an appointment for you. God has things that he wants to do in your family. He's got things he wants to do in your life, in your finances, in your health. He has appointments for, would somebody receive it in faith right now? He has appointments for you, and you, to you, it, you think it's going to take an accident. You think it's going to take the whole universe lining up and smiling on you, but that's not the way it works. God doesn't deal in accidents. God deals in appointments, and he's looking for somebody who will say let me go to the field let me go to the field let me go to the field it happens in the field it doesn't happen back at the house it happens in the field it doesn't happen when you're sitting on the bench or on the sidelines it happens when you are out in the arena in the field is where favor is found and that's what happened with Ruth in verse 13 she says it she says let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you've comforted me and you've spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. She says, I'm not like all these other people. I don't have the bloodline. I don't have the family history or the pedigree. I don't have the track record as a member of a church somewhere that I just transferred into your field, Boaz. I don't have any of that going for me. But nevertheless, I'm in the field and I'm finding favor. Finding favor. Boaz said to his workers, he says, this Moabite woman, Ruth, let her glean from the sheaves. Let, he, listen to what he says. He says, let, let some of the grain fall off for her on purpose. That's what he said. You can read about it. He gave and he, went, he pulled the fellows aside and said, guys, I like her. I like her. And they're probably thinking, uh-huh. I bet you do. He's like, just shut up, stop. I won't hear about all that. I like her, and I feel like we need to take care of her. And so let some of the grain fall off on purpose. When you're going around the corner, just take the corner a little hard and let some fall off and let her take that. Favor. Favor. 
I've heard someone say before, favor is not fair. (laughs) But I like having the favor of God on my side. I like having the favor of God in my family. Ruth found that kind of favor. But we would do well to recognize exactly where she found it. She found it in the field. The field's not just where your favor's at. Let me tell somebody and go a step further. I'm just feeling like faith's in the house this morning. The field's not just where your favor's at, but the field is where your future's at. Ruth wasn't, listen to me, Ruth wasn't just going to be that person that Boaz was willing to tolerate anymore. She wasn't just going to be under the protection of Boaz and be allowed to participate in the harvest. But Ruth would soon find out that the step of faith that she had taken by getting into the field was about to unfold in ways that she had never imagined. Because Boaz wasn't just going to tolerate her. Boaz was going to love her. There was an attraction that ignited between Boaz and Ruth that can't be factored into our calculations. You can't, you can't account for it, can you, when something like that happens? Our best plans of doing what we know to be the right thing to do can't account for how much favor is waiting for us. There is so much favor waiting out there in the field for you that you're going to one day turn around and say, it wasn't just favor, it was my entire future. My entire future was out there in that field. And Ruth was finding out that reality. It's the revelation that somebody's getting right now, this morning, that favor in the field goes beyond the parameters of just this 24-hour day. And it's favor that turns in to a future. Look at how the story of Ruth starts to conclude in Ruth chapter 4. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. Then the women, listen, she had so much favor and God started unlocking things in her future that it spilled over to old bitter old Naomi, who for whatever reason couldn't, wouldn't get out in the field. Some of that started spilling over to Naomi. The women said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative, and may his name be famous in Israel. I'm here to tell you in the Holy Ghost this morning, when you get out into the field, there's no telling what God will start to unfold in your life. It's where The field is where you get into contact with the limitless possibilities that God has for your life. When you say, here I am, God, I'm available. I'm willing to be an instrument in your hands. I'm willing to be a vessel that you use. When you say in so many words, let me go to the field. Let me help somebody this morning. Most of the time, when we get to the point where we need to say, let me go to the field, it's in the face of adversity. It's when we don't have any answers of our own. That's the moment. If you think, if you've come into the house of the Lord today and you're facing adversity and you don't have the answers for what life's dealt you, you are a perfect candidate today. A perfect candidate today 
to find a place of prayer, to find a place of surrender, and to say, God, here I am. Let me go to the field. Here's what we need to understand. This message is for everybody because we all need a redeemer. We all need a redeemer. And there are some present this morning under the sound of my voice who need a saving work to take place in your life. You need somebody who can step in and lift you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And the good news that I have for you today is that the slavery of sin doesn't have to be the reality that you live in. Look at Ruth chapter 2 verse 4, the verse that I skipped earlier. I went from verse 3 all the way to verse 5 because I wanted to save this detail for you. Where did Boaz come from? Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Now, do you think that's an accident that their kinsman redeemer came from Bethlehem? And we, who also need a kinsman redeemer, have one who came from Bethlehem to be our kinsman redeemer? Jesus Christ, born in Bethlehem, came out. God manifested in the flesh to be your kinsman redeemer. Let me tell you how Jesus qualifies to be your kinsman redeemer. Number one, he's God manifest in the flesh. He is high enough on the social status. He's powerful enough. He, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He has everything necessary to provide what needs to be given in order to buy you out of the poverty that we're in. But there's a second way that he qualifies to be your kinsman redeemer, and it's the simple fact that he is 100% human. He is your kinsman. He's the firstborn among many brethren. He is 100% human. He can identify with every pain, every challenge, every trial that we go through. Jesus can identify with it because he went through it himself, and he qualifies to not just be our redeemer, but to be our kinsman redeemer. He is the one that every single one of us needs today. Let me talk to somebody today. You've been toiling in life, and there is a shadow cast over this place today because you have been in the field. You have, st even just in the last 10 minutes, you've made the decision. I'm going to step out into the field today. And just as soon as your foot landed in that field, there was a shadow of the Holy Ghost that swept over your life. And your kinsman redeemer has elevate you out of the spiritual poverty that you've been living in and say you don't have to be a slave anymore. But there's favor that I'm about to bestow on you in the field today. And what's more, he's not going to stop just to tolerate you and to show you some kind of favor and let you get by. But he wants to write a future for your life. I said he wants to write a future for your life today. And it doesn't matter what your past looks like. It doesn't matter that you're from Moab. It doesn't matter that you're on the outside looking in. He's about to bring you in. And say, I'm going to make you a member of my family today. And it all happens when you choose to be in the field. Musicians would come. I'm telling you this morning that the field is important. Just like Ruth had a field to get out into, we, each and every one of us this morning, have a field that God is directing us into. Jesus says, Pray for laborers that would go out into my harvest field. We must be about our Father's 
business. And so, I can say for me in my house today, I want to be in the field. Because the the field is where my future is at. The field is where God does something in me that makes him famous. I don't get famous in the field. Don't check your motives this morning. The field is not where you get famous. The field is where he gets famous. When we get to doing what we know to be doing, God steps in and puts us on a path that only he can put us on. When we commit our lives to the Lord, what happens to us happens by way of appointment and not by accident. I want to present two additional snapshots this morning in closing and let you know what I believe is available in the house today. The first snapshot that I want to present to you of this principle that I've preached in action is the snapshot of a man named Noah. Noah was a good man. Noah, by all accounts, appears to have been doing everything that he knew to be doing. And the word of God says in the book of Genesis, Noah found favor with God. And God came down and started to talk to Noah just the same way that God's come down. And he started to whisper to your spirit today. God started to talk to Noah and said, Noah, I know that the world is going completely haywire. But I have a plan to save the world. And I have a plan to save you, Noah. Noah was out in the field, we would probably say. And he was doing everything that he knew to do. And it's in that field he found favor. And then God took it to the next level and said, I'm not just going to give you favor, but I'm going to give you the keys to the future. And he started to explain to Noah, Noah, I need you to build an ark out of gopher wood. And I need it to be such and such dimensions. And this is the specifications. I, I need it built a particular way. And God gave Noah salvation in the form of an ark. And there was a very particular plan to that salvation. It shouldn't surprise you today that just like God had a plan for salvation in Noah's generation, God has a plan for salvation in our generation. It doesn't leave it up to guesswork and he doesn't leave it open to a bunch of interpretation. God gives us a plan It's embodied in the man Christ Jesus, our kinsman redeemer. And when we follow the pattern of his life, his death, burial, and resurrection, and we follow it in the form of repenting of our sins, being baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of our sins, and being filled with the gift of God's spirit, that's the plan of God to save you. That's the plan of God to save you. The other snapshot I want to present to you today is a snapshot of a man named Elisha. There came a day when Elisha, where was he? It shouldn't surprise us to find out where Elisha was. After all, this is a message about the field. Elisha was out in the field, Sister Kalen. He was plowing a field with a team of his father's oxen. You would probably say Elisha was doing exactly what he knew to do and one day 
a man of God came by named Elijah. And Elijah took his mantle and he cast it on Elisha. And it was the signal that God was about to do something big in Elisha's life if Elisha would respond in faith. And Elisha had a decision in that moment. He was doing, hear me right now, he was doing everything that he had previously known to do. He was in the field, plowing with his father's oxen, putting in a hard day's work. And suddenly, just like Boaz did with Ruth, just like God did with Noah, the Lord stepped in in the form of the prophet Elijah into Elisha's life and started to unlock the next chapter of Elisha's life and ministry. If you're looking today for your next step in serving God, you've already been born again of the water and of the Spirit, but you're sitting under the sound of my voice today, and you know in your heart of hearts there must be something more. There has to be more. I would encourage you today, take the pattern of old Elisha, step out into the field, see if there's a mantle there waiting for you. See if God won't meet you in the field. It might, hear me, it might not happen this morning, but stay in the field a little while. Stay in the field for a week. Stay in the field for a couple weeks and just see if God won't start dealing with you and calling you higher. Calling you higher into what else he has for your life. I think there's some Noahs in the house today, though. And if you need to be saved and if sin has a grip on your life, just like there was a plan for Noah, there is a plan for you today. And it's centered on the work of your kinsman redeemer, Jesus Christ. His death, burial, and resurrection, the blood of Jesus still works. The blood of Jesus is still powerful, and the new birth experience still works. He wants you to be spiritually born again of the water and of the Spirit today. Can we all stand? Somebody lift up their hands as we stand in the sanctuary right now, and as we begin to sing, and just say,